0: Hello, I'm Laura Serrant, and welcome to my podcast, Speaking for Ourselves. This is one in a series of these podcasts. Speaking for Ourselves is about listening to the voices and the stories of the people who influence us. Speaking to Ourselves is also about listening to our own stories and our own voices and the importance of being heard. I hope you enjoy the podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Pamela Windle. Uh, Pamela is a women's well-being and hormone coach and many, many other things. And I've known Pamela for a few years um, now. So I'm really excited to speak with her and uh, to share this
1: time together. Welcome, Pamela. Oh, thank you, Laura. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about being on your podcast. Oh no! I know, isn't
0: it? Isn't this nice? The sun's shining. It's uh, it's a it's a good start to the day. So, as I said, I've known you for a while, um, personally and professionally. Um, but just for the people listening, who is Pamela Windle?
1: Well, outside my title, I am a mother, and I am a daughter. But my parents uh, passed on. So, I guess I'm an orphan, as my mum used to say when she was here, that when her parents had passed on. Um, I am a partner, a lover, and I am a sister. I have two sisters, and uh, they're older than me. So, I'm the baby of the family. (laughs) Um, I am, as I said, I am a mother. My daughter is 30 now, which is just weird. I Um, know, really bizarre. (laughs) Um, and uh, you know I'm a friend and um I have lots of good friends you being one um some friends new friends and some are long-standing friends um I guess that's me in a nutshell really apart from my professional um role but that's
0: really important because um I find it really interesting how you start with your personal self Um, because I I don't preempt preempt that question in terms of saying who you know what business do you do and it's interesting to me how people choose to present themselves first and you've chosen to present your personal before your professional can I ask you why was that a
1: conscious thought um was it conscious I don't think it was conscious but I think you know when somebody asks you who you are, a lot often most people say, Well, I do this, I do that, this is what I do for a living, but it's not who I am, it's part of who I am because my passion around that stems in from my core beliefs of what I think that women about women's health. So, but it's not who I am, um, and all those things I described of myself, they are all. Are also aren't who i really am but they're a part of me who i am is a woman who's 55 years old you know a woman of black caribbean descent that lives in the uk who is you know strong black woman um, motivated and and determined to change the narrative around women's health so i guess i'm um, all of those things combined together but why i chose that i, I don't know it's an interesting question I'll, i'm going to ponder on that actually Laura. on that one <laughs> well we can ponder a little bit on it
0: during the day but it's good to to have something to take back it's just uh, an observation for me but, you know doing these podcasts and speak to people it always strikes me you know how they answer that question when we first first start before we kind of talk about your work really then it kind of leads me on to to thinking about these podcasts and one you know you'll know that these podcasts are called speaking for ourselves and I started doing these because I wanted people to hear from different stories it's very much around stories worth telling and and I think um, you know, however we define ourselves, and you've talked about yourself as a woman and about your personal life, about your how you might be positioned, if you like, in, in, in the world. Um, it's important that we actually speak of our own stories rather than being spoken for. So the phrase speaking for ourselves, for me, was quite important in these podcasts. But one thing I ask many of the people I speak with is, what does the phrase speaking for ourselves mean to you and why is it important?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you grow into this (laughs) or not, but um, I mean, people have described me as being feisty and even my partner today, (laughs) even he said, oh, you know, do we know someone that's feisty and knows a lot about health? You know, it was just a conversation about a family member. And so I guess I've always spoken up for others Hmm. You know, I but maybe I don't actually and haven't done until more recently spoken up for myself. So, you know, I just wondered whether that's something that we grow into. <coughs> I'm so sorry.
0: Oh, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Itchy
1: throat. It's just one of
0: those things when you're, especially when you're talking in these dry atmospheres on these on the on yeah. these webinar things. It makes it. But you're 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 perfect. For, I'm glad to see that you've got water to help you through yeah so yeah so this very much about you're talking about whether or not we grow into speaking for ourselves
1: yeah I think so um I mean I think depending on your upbringing may influence that you know I very much grew up in a household where my dad was the ruler of the home there was um Mm. I'm the youngest of three girls and obviously there was my mom and so it was a very female home, but we were all managed by my dad's presence. Um, and so speaking for ourselves was something that was unheard of. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And not and,
0: unusual in many, many people, especially many women's um, experiences.
1: Yeah. So speaking up for yourself was a dangerous thing, you know, so you learn not to speak for, your, for yourself. But in a sense, even though I learned not to, I was very much like passionate about supporting the underdog, people that were, you know, in a challenging situation. For example, one of my very closest friends I met at secondary school and she Mm -hmm. came in in our second year. So obviously all groups had formulated, friendships had formulated and everything. Mm -hmm. So she came in as an outsider and was treated so she was also slightly posh as well. Yeah. And I actually stuck up for her and we became best friends. And similarly, when I was five, again, somebody came into our school much later than we did. And again, he was posh. And he was he was being treated differently because he was an outsider. Mm-hmm. And I stuck up for him, and we're still friends today. So I've always fought for the underdog yeah um and I don't know where that that comes from there's I don't know whether that's innately or whether it's something that I learned from my parents or not Yeah. but definitely um speaking up for myself is something that I've grown into as I've aged yeah
0: what what do you think has triggered that um speaking up for yourself is it Is it something that was a conscious thing or is it something that kind of looking back, you think, Oh, I've started to do that. Or was there, was there an incident or series of incidents that make you want to speak for yourself? Or do you think looking back, it's something that you developed into?
1: I think, you know, I got divorced when I was, um, I think I was 30 at the time when I got divorced and um, you know, even so as a young woman, I got married at 20 um, and, you know, very, very much didn't speak for myself at all, even during the marriage. And then getting divorced, for me, it was kind of like, like, this is a fork in the sand and, you know, this is me, looking after me put myself forward and I guess expressing a little bit of that speaking up for myself Mm -hmm. yeah at that point I think it probably started there in a very different way more from a right I'm going to buy a drill (laughs) I could do that (laughs) I literally did yeah I bought a drill I can put a shelf up I can do this you know it was kind of that mentality actually I've still got the drill I've literally still got the drill drill I've still got it I need a new one now because it's not that good you know it's like (laughs) 20 years old or whatever it is um but yeah um yeah so it kind of came out like that I think initially and then I then went to university and I think that then changed so at 39 40 I went to university and and I think the confidence I grew that I got or gained should I say, the confidence I gained from getting my degree actually empowered me to then speak for myself yes. because up until that point I always felt that um I kind of wasn't not I didn't feel like I wasn't good enough I didn't verbally say that but I think I probably felt that yes yeah um and so getting my degree was like oh well I can do this, that means if I can do this, then I can do this, and I can do this, and I can ask for this, and I can speak up when something isn't right.
0: Yes, so it's almost like a learning about um, giving yourself your own permission through that, that that traveling, that journey, and doing those things really, to an extent. Yeah, Mm. definitely. And how do you think that that, and how does that relate, and how has that um translated or transferred or transcended into your own work in your business kind of because you know you're you're working independent now but you you've had a, an atypical journey should we say to kind of working in independently well you've worked independently before but you you went to university later you know you you got married earlier so your 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 life journey so far has not necessarily been one that everybody has done
1: yeah no yeah definitely haven't followed the normal pathways at all um yeah I guess well when I became unwell so after university I went to work within the NHS so that was my first kind of proper employment role and I worked with the NHS I worked with dependent drinkers and I did that for four years and while it was it was an interesting experience being employed um, was good but again you know you couldn't speak up you couldn't mm-hmm. speak up for yourself because you were employed and you had to fit into them their mold, mode yeah. and model and I didn't really enjoy that and like you say I'd been self-employed before that but becoming unwell so 12 was when yeah. I became unwell with chronic fatigue that was kind of the start of it but I didn't really know what was going on until 2013 when it really hit um, and so then you know 2014 i lost my job because i was so ill that i couldn't work and i kind of lost my voice in that so that's interesting in itself um, i lost my voice and part of that was because um, because i was so wow i just didn't have the energy to to have a voice But I guess my voice was maybe not lost completely because if it was, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm -hmm. So it must have been just sort of lying dormant or just changed not as loud. And Mm -hmm. interestingly, one of my symptoms I had was I did lose my voice. It was... But there was a physical
0: losing of the voice as well as a kind of of social, emotional uh, losing of the voice.
1: Yeah, I had um, a painful throat Mm. and my voice was so quiet because it hurt to talk. And I used to whisper like "Ah." that. And I used to whisper because it was so painful. And even that was so painful. Um, And so I didn't have that energy to give, you know, like you do in conversations or even talking to people or interactions. So I physically lost my voice and also emotionally lost it because I didn't understand who I was. You know, I was so unwell that I couldn't actually look after myself. You know, the things that we take for granted, like cooking, cleaning, changing your bed, having a shower, brushing your teeth. All those things were so hard work and I didn't do it every day. Um, so I lost who I was, lost my identity. And in that, I lost my voice as well, to an extent. But um, you know I think through it all I've become a much stronger person and it kind of defines my business as well because you know the GP was saying well actually this is as good as it's going to get you know yeah. you, you can't get better than this there's no cure we don't understand why it's you know take this antidepressant and you're going to feel better yeah. and uh and you know the the prognosis was not very good. And yeah. but I guess because the kind of person I am, I was constantly seeking ways of how I could get better, how I could heal my body, and I did. And ways you could be heard. Yes, and ways I could be heard. And I was finally heard. Actually, yeah, so I was finally how
0: did that heard. Come about then, how did you? How did you um, manage to get yourself from a position of um, not, be, not having that voice to actually moving towards where we see you today in your feisty self?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the feisty self is back. <laughs> um, how did I get it? Um, I mean, seriously, someone invited me, this power of social media, Someone invited me to join a group of personal trainers because that obviously was my background. Of personal trainers that were interested in perimenopause and menopause, and I just thought, Oh, this sounds interesting, I'd want to know about this myself. So I was 40, I think I was 46, 47 at the time. And, you know, it wasn't on my radar at all, but I was kind of interested into finding out about it yeah. for the future. So someone invited me to a Facebook group and in there, there was other professionals that were delivering trainings around this area. Mm-hmm. And I signed up for the course, Third Age Woman course. Yeah. And it was a three months short online course. Yeah. And I literally did this course lined out because I was so unwell yeah but I, I did it and I got the qualification but when I did it I just thought oh I want to know more about this mm-hmm. and because I'd not long come out of education in a bit of a goldfish bowl you know really wanted to absorb yeah. lots of information you know just in that learning mode and, and to be honest I haven't stopped and constantly learning um I signed up for 2016 then I signed up for the woman's women's health coaching qualification, which I do now. Yeah. And um and it was only because I did the first level, which then led me to meet dr jessica drummond who then became my mentor lecturer and also my my healer you know i actually became a patient as well so quite rightly i was heard i was i was literally listened to of why i was experiencing what i was experiencing and so for women that i work with you know when they come in with the symptoms that they're struggling with you know, I don't just see them as they are today. I'm looking at them, you know, from conception even, yes. go back as far as that, what's led you up to this point where you are today. And all of that empowers me and gives me information about who you are and therefore I can help you in that journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and very much um, what struck me when you're, you're telling, you know, you're talking about your business, but also you shared with us about your own illness and even going back to sharing with us around working with uh, people who've got alcohol dependency there's a, something about in all those spaces you know women in the menopause perimenopause yourself when you're ill and the people you've worked with previously about them not having a voice in some way of not being heard or seen almost being silent and invisible in kind of the, the, the you know because of what they're going through and actually what they're they're living with um and that's something that's just reminding me that one of the core things around these podcasts and the reason that I, I do them is about inspiring people to speak of themselves and actually have those real heartfelt stories of self. So, you know, the need only to be an expert in yourself, not really in, in anything else. Um, and that's what's striking me about some the thread that's striking me about through some of those stories that you're, you're generously sharing with us so one of the things I've asked in, in the journey that you've been in so far and also I think with the clients that you that you work with what what, what has struck you the most or inspired you most about this this idea of helping taking the whole of the person helping them to hear themselves and hear their own stories what would you say has
1: struck you or inspired you so far about that I think current well obviously I've, I've worked with as a personal trainer I worked with mm-hmm males and females mainly females affluent then i worked with dependent drinkers that were you know people that some people were still employed but a lot of them were people that have never had a job in their life mm-hmm. you know and, and generations have never had employment as well and yeah. then currently i work with women and quite likely, you know there is this thing about voice the thing that strikes me today about the people that i work with today obviously all women yeah and women of a certain age as yeah. well and these women feel like they don't have a voice they feel like they don't have a place in society either there's some shame around this perimenopause and menopause you know there's shame around aging there's shame around the physicalities of of what the process of going through this phase of life In actual fact, when we look at women's health in general, the shame throughout our lifespan. And so that for me is something that needs to change. And I am so passionate about this topic to give women that voice, to ask for what they want, whether it's from the workplace, their family members, or in the medical arena as well. So empowering them to understand what's happening in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And and therefore they feel that they can ask the right questions and be supported and be heard. And, you know, know, often as women, we're told not to be angry, you know, and, you know, not to really trust our intuition Mm -hmm. as well and not to ask questions and you know i feel that that when i when i hear myself saying that is something that was obviously quashed in myself as a child yes uh i want to empower women to actually to do that yeah
0: yeah Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. What's what really struck me when you were talking then was when you were talking about the shame associated with women and ageing. And I really like the phrase. I know that's the name of the course you did. Third age women. I, I really like that because it, it, it's kind of what are the words and how do we talk about this normal and natural phase In our life course. It's it's a stage in our life course as women. Um, It's not something, it's not a surprise. It's not something that we don't know is coming or that society doesn't know coming. And yet there is still that shame wrapped up in in that and how to speak of it. Um, Do you think that, um, or how should I say, how much do you think that talking and vocalizing about menopause and perimenopause the third age how much is that a story that's worth telling
1: or should be told I think it's a story that should be told to be honest um, particularly for women in the workplace mm-hmm. I think that that story should be told because therefore when we tell stories we help change the narrative about it don't we yes and we influence other people so ideally what we want to do is influence the males in our life right now Mm -hmm. obviously and then the workplace and then the next generation down and then it just ricochets you know to the next generation you know I guess we're of an age where our parents didn't share those stories About their journey into this phase of life, and so a lot of us are kind of going, "I haven't got a clue." So that was passed down through generations. You know, we're just going to empower that next generation um, of women, or and men, should I say, and those people that that you know, yes, are classed as women, or you know, you know what I mean, yes. And interestingly,
0: it's one of the differences that we have to and I certainly have to my my um, my mother and grandmother and parents is that, you know, as women are working for longer time. So actually, we're working more of our perimenopausal or menopausal or postmenopausal time in the workplace. So we're more in the workplace and actually working there for longer. So um, I know I, I know that you do quite a lot of work of women and the workplace, and with workplaces around making uh, around um, supporting women or having systems that actually allow for that support during that time. Because at the same time. Women in that in that perimenopausal, menopausal, and um, postmenopausal age, we've kind of amassed really good um, experience, expertise, leadership, et cetera. And we are a, a very positive resource where that can easily be lost to the workplace at that point. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of things that you do um, you know, within workspaces or with women in that in that way?
1: yeah so one of the first things i do is demystify all the myths about perimenopause and menopause and it's really important that women you are you are like 35 onwards it's really really important that they understand the signs of perimenopause yes because if you're just kind of roll so i say that again if you're just if you're just like snowballing into perimenopause, yes. it's likely that you're going to be hit by, you know, all of these symptoms all at once and not understand what's going on with your body. So it's important that women understand what are the early signs yeah. of perimenopause. Therefore you can help your body to rectify those things. And yeah. also you're fully aware. So for organizations, as a whole yes you know understanding that not just for the females but also for the males and those who who you know see themselves as a female um as well and but then you know because a lot of people think that perimenopause or menopause is just about hot flushes or you no longer have a period and that isn't the truth it starts much more and earlier before that and there were many many really subtle symptoms that a lot of women may put off as something else or just completely ignore anxiety for example is a big one yes you no know, women diagnosed with anxiety where it actually could be just a shift in the hormones mm-hmm. as they're enter- entering into menopause um or, or perimenopause so organizations demystifying de- the beliefs around yes. that, educating the whole of the organization, senior leaders giving them a voice, you know, giving them a voice, that's interesting. So giving yes. senior leaders a voice to be able to talk to their female staff. So they don't, they don't feel shamed or embarrassed or feel like they're getting it wrong. Yes. So it needs to be both end. The women who are going through this phase of life need to understand what it is. And then more importantly, what are practical solutions that they can do to help themselves from a lifestyle point of view, nutrition, supplement, stress management, all of those things. And then given senior leaders as well, an understanding of what's going on. And then as they feel empowered, senior leaders feel empowered, women feel empowered as a result of this new knowledge. This is where we get a workforce is inclusive mm-hmm. this is yeah. a modern work workplace work to be
0: yeah absolutely I mean I know um you know obviously from my, from my own personal experience working with you you know one of the things is that people don't think about menopause so early on I mean you know I I went through my menopause er, relatively very early compared to to what you know what the what it says in the book um you know and one of the things that I remember learning from you um quite quite you know which really still struck with me is the fact that actually that's my normal and so you know the fact that I was only like late 30s when when I started menopause was like well what's wrong with me well nothing actually that's just normal for me um, and yet now I'm in my 50s many of my peers are going into it or they're in into their perimenopausal or menopausal phase and I'm way way postmenopausal which you know which which is strange now really to be to, to do that but it, it does strike me that story of normality because we're sold one story aren't we in that it happens at this stage this is what will happen and these things will happen to you um, and what we learn from life is that you know it, it doesn't always work like that.
1: No there's every woman's got her own journey into this phase of life and when you start is it's is is can be Uh, biological genetics you know there are other things that could be contributing to that and then the set of symptoms you know currently there's a list of 34 symptoms and yeah (laughs) And, and you know i feel even with that knowing that there are a list of 34 symptoms i think sometimes women are literally going oh and i've got this and i've got this and it could be an imbalance of other things yes that isn't connected to the hormones. So I think it's just about understanding yourself first, educating yourself is so important and then finding practical solutions that you can do. You know, there are hormones that you can take, but not everybody wants to take hormones Not everybody can. Mm-hmm. But even if you are taking hormones, there's still plenty of work to be done in terms of nutrition and lifestyle as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I I think is just important from what you're saying is getting the message that um, the, 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 the journey through menopause, the life course journey that everybody, every woman will take is both personal and professional. And there are things that we do for ourselves, as well as things that can be done within within workspaces to to make it to make sure that we get the best out of people and the best out of ourselves in, in that phase. So that yeah. is something that really is is uh, striking me. I was just thinking about this, you know, feisty new, outspoken Pamela that's in this phase. Like, what are you, and you're in? What are your thoughts at the moment in terms of in this phase of your life as opposed to when you were younger? What's your thoughts? How do you reflect on your positioning now? as a woman, as a businesswoman, as independently, how do you how does it how do you see yourself now in this
1: space? Um someone recently said to me, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Just one moment. I can't remember the terminology she used now. Ah. So someone said to me recently, she said, you know, you're an you're an innovative or you're a, oh God, what's the word? Innovative. Uh, no innovation yes innovation yeah innovator innovator yeah I'll say that again so someone said to me recently you're an innovator and I was literally taken back I was like really am I she said yes you are you know most of the time when we think about someone that's bringing something new into the market we think about digital technology and things like that Um, but actually you know you are changing the landscape of this phase in in women's life you're changing the narrative around it Mm -hmm. and I just thought oh I hadn't even seen myself like that I'm just going out there you know (laughs) making lots
0: of noise (laughs)
1: About this phase, women need to be seen at this phase of life. You know, I'm just going out doing that, and and so that was surprise. And I so thought, I sort of s- s- sat back and I thought, wow, that is something, isn't it? That's something to be proud of. That I'm actually changing something. You know, yes. on that kind of quest with other people because I'm not on my own there was definitely a, yes. few, a handful of us probably yeah. that are you know out there trying to change things for women in yeah. the workplace and you know women in general
0: absolutely I think absolutely innovator is definitely the word I would I would um use then I mean, when I, when I, one of the things that I did want to ask you something that I actually um, ask quite a few people when I, when I interview them and when I speak with them on these podcasts is around the whole idea about voice and silence. You'll, you'll know that my hashtag that I use on my podcast and in a lot of my work is silence speaks, which really, for me, reflects the way that actually when nothing is said, lots is communicated. It's that kind of thing that, you know, as the, the, the idea of voice and the av- idea of hearing what happens is part of your inner voice as much as the words that you use. So when I'm thinking about, if you think about when you're silent and when you're quiet and you have those reflective places and that little voice inside you, um, and you spoke earlier about listening to yourself and the importance of that. What does your voice of silence say to you at this moment?
1: Mm, Such a good question. I guess, I mean, I guess it depends where I am in that silence. Mm -hmm. Because this silence is determined on, you know, what's going on in my life, I guess. So, for example, when I was unwell, silence was telling me that I needed to keep searching for an answer. Mm-hmm. So that was a silence then. Yeah. And I guess now the silence is slightly different I guess. the voice is different. It's more of one of discovery. you know at 55 people a lot of my peers are kind of going I'm ready to settle retire. down <laughs> retire And I'm not you <laughs> know <Me neither. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know there's so much more that i want to do so my silence is is kind of hmm, what's next
0: what's next yeah what's
1: next indeed
0: so let me just then think about think about your silence your voice and tell me what so thinking about this stage of your life and where you are now and your journey you've taken what three words would you use to describe yourself at this stage now and why
1: three words to describe myself yes um energetic yes why because having lost my energy yeah for six years Mm -hmm. now i feel like i'm just bursting out again yes (laughs) so energetic definitely
0: yes
1: um The other one I would say would be powerful. Yes. Because I feel really honoured that I've had this journey of ill health. You know, as a personal trainer, you think you're just, you know, nothing's going to touch you. You'll always be strong. So having the opposite, Mm -hmm. you know, laying down on the sofa for days and days and days, um well not even days months and years should say complete opposite polar opposite really isn't it Mm -hmm. um but the fact that I've done all this learning and education I actually feel right now that I'm powerful yes because one I understand myself Mm -hmm. and my body and I'm able to help others so that that feels like superpower in so many ways
0: oh I like superpowers I always say to people that I I I helped develop superheroes so superpowers are good yeah so energetic
1: powerful Mm, and what else the last one um the last one um I would say that it's probably more I don't know let me think don't don't put that in in the thing um you're allowed to think, you know, this is not a, this is <laughs> live and that it's not present, you're, you're allowed to think. Okay, so I think the last one would probably be, probably kind. Kind. Yeah, probably kind, you know, um, by the time we get to the age that we are, there's, there's, we've been through a lot already. Mm-hmm. The divorce, the yeah. children, the you know losing your parents, and the song that I play—I've got my mom and dad's finals. Yes, and one of the songs is—is is, you know we're kind of at this place now. It's almost we're getting it's getting late. Yes, so now's the time to really to act. Yeah. And so I think being kind, being kind to myself yes. as well. And being kind to others too. So energetic,
0: powerful, and kind. Yes. I think that's a fabulous trio of words. So as we get towards the, um, towards the end of this, and I've really, really enjoyed our conversation, what would you say now to your younger self?
1: <laughs> what would I say? Mm, I would say that day when you sat in your parents' hallway, when you received your GCSE results and you got an ungraded in math and an ungraded in English, and you felt really deflated You kind of knew you weren't going to do well anyway. I would say, pick that piece of paper up and put it in the bin. It doesn't matter.
0: Fabulous. And that, I think, is a great place to close our conversation. And, And really good timing when many young people will have just had their results and many parents will have watch that disappointment on some of their faces so i think a really good good place to to finish there now i think what struck me most about your talking with you this time has actually been around that importance of what next and moving on and moving up being energetic being powerful but above all being kind to yourself and i think that probably sums up working with women and for women around menopause and perimenopause in that time, what we need. So if people want to work with you, Pamela, um, if they want to work with you either individually or any companies or agencies that would want to work with you for their employees, how can they
1: um, get hold of you? So individually, I'm on Instagram, so you can message me on Instagram. Um, There's lots of educational stuff on there as well. And mm-hmm. on LinkedIn as well. So, if anybody wants to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn too. And, um, and then my website as well. On my website, there's lots of inf- information on there that you can find. So, my Instagram handle name yes. is Pamela Windle, Hormone Coach. On LinkedIn, I'm Pamela and Windle. And then my website is smarterchangeco.uk.
0: That's brilliant. I'll make sure that it's written down in the in the notes that go with this podcast so that anyone who hasn't taken a note can make note of it. But I just want to say thank you very much for your time, given generously and um, absolutely as a woman in the third age, I thank you for your personal and your professional support. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Take care.
1: Thank you, Laura.
0: I'm Laura Serrant, and you have been listening to my podcast, Speaking for Ourselves. We all have a voice, and we all have stories to tell. But if we don't use our own voices and tell our own stories, others will speak for us. And at best, they will mistell our stories. And at worst, they will render us silent. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.